The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. And he says, the woman you gave to me, she did give me to eat of the tree, and I ate. In other words, I don't have a problem, Lord. This is your problem. This is Eve's problem. This is the height of irresponsibleness. And behind all sin, listen to me, beloved, behind all sin is irresponsibility. Then verse 3, the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So here you go. You see how irresponsibleness cascades down from the man to the woman. The man was irresponsible. Now the woman is being irresponsible. She's blaming the serpent rather than taking responsibility. So verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, I want you to notice this. The the Lord is going to place a curse on the serpent. But he did not place a curse on the man. He did not place a curse on the woman. This is how much God loves us. Even when we fall, even when we're wrong, even when we disobey God, God doesn't stop loving us and he will never curse us. But he will curse the enemy. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle. More than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go. And you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Once again, God cursed the serpent. But he didn't curse the man. Didn't curse the woman. Because he had a plan and a provision made for them. He had a priority for them. He had a priority and a provision for the man and the woman. But for the serpent he cursed. And I want you to look at this curse. God says you curse more than any of the beasts of the field. Now that, that, that clearly implies that there are other beasts that were cursed. But God says you're more cursed than any beast of the field. Now what was the curse? God says on your belly is your goal. And you shall eat dust. Now, this clearly shows us, beloved, that the serpent wasn't always a belly crawler. Now, I don't know what the serpent's posture was because the Bible doesn't say. I don't know if he walked on two feet. I don't know if he stood up upright. But when God cursed him, God says, you're going to have to crawl on your belly and you're going to have to eat dust. Isaiah 65 verse 25 says, and dust shall be the serpent's meat. In other words, dust shall be the serpent's food. So when God cursed the serpent, God humiliated the serpent. He humiliated the serpent lower than any cattle or beast of the field. He shamed the serpent. He degraded the serpent. And now the serpent is the most degraded creature in all of God's creation. And that was the curse on the serpent. Now we get to verse 15, and that's what I want to take my message from today, because verse 15 is God's provision 
promised provision for fallen man. And he says in verse 15, and I will put enmity, in other words, I will put hatred and hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. I need to go through that real slow. God said to the serpent, and I will put enmity between you, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. God said the woman would have seed. The woman would have seed. And we know this is prophetically speaking of uh, the Immaculate Conception where Mary brought forth Jesus who was, born, who was born by the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. Between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So ever since Adam and Eve fell in the garden, God's priority has been to seek and to save the lost. Here we see in verse 15 that God's first promise ever made was to send a Savior. And the Savior would make a way for man. Thank God Jesus made a way for me. Thank God Jesus made a way for you. So the Savior would make a way for man. And so God's promise provision was simply this. Number one, the woman would have a son. Glory to God. And when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born of the law, to redeem us that were under the curse of the law. The second part of this promise was that the son would destroy Satan. The son would bruise Satan's head, but Satan would only bruise his heel. When Jesus died and suffered on the cross, that was Satan bruising his heel. In other words, Satan was bruising the body of Jesus, but Satan never touched the mind and the soul of Jesus. Glory to God. But Jesus destroyed Satan. He bruised his head. Colossians chapter two, verse 15 says, having spoiled principalities, speaking of Jesus, having spoiled principalities, and he triumphed over them in it. And he made an open show of them. Not only did Jesus crush the head of Satan, not only did he, he utterly defeat Satan, he paraded around Satan. He triumphed over Satan. So a bruise to the heel. To strike someone's heel can be an aggravation. But when you strike the head, when you bruise the head, that can be a devastation. And Jesus devastated the devil, but the devil could only aggravate him. Glory to God. And the third part of this, this promise was simply this. Satan bruised the heel of the woman's son. And we know that woman's son, his name was Jesus. But after Jesus' atoning death and resurrection, he gave the world a promised provision. Here it is, beloved. It's called the gospel. It's called the Proto-Evangel. Let me say it again. The Proto-Evangel. The Proto-Evangel is the first gospel. This verse in Genesis 3.15, when God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, 
He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This was the first gospel. This was the first messianic prophecy and it's called the Proto-Evangel. It's God's promised provision. So what is a provision? What is a provision? Provision is nothing more than a supply for need. Is that which is prepared beforehand. And the prophet Isaiah, he knew somehow by the Spirit of God that when Jesus would come, that Jesus would bring God's promise provision. In Isaiah 61, the prophet begins to prophesy. He shows that when Jesus would come, he would stand in the temple and he would say, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to preach glad tidings to the meek, to preach the gospel to the poor. It is the gospel that's God's promise provision. In Mark chapter 16, in Mark chapter 16, this is after the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus appears to his disciples and they're sitting around a table having dinner and he begins to upbraid his disciples before the unbelief and the hardness of the heart. See, that's the problem. He upbraided them for the unbelief and the hardness of heart because they didn't believe those that told them that Jesus had arisen. Why didn't they believe him? Because it was a woman. It was a woman to first preach the gospel after Jesus was, was resurrected from the dead. And they didn't want to accept the word from Mary. Mary was the first evangelist. Mary was the first one to proclaim God's promised provision. But the men didn't want to believe it. So Jesus upbraided them. He upbraided them for the unbelief and the hardness of heart. See, that's the problem. See, God didn't curse Adam and Eve, but the problem for Adam and Eve would have been to continue with unbelief and hardness of heart. So after Jesus upbraided them for the unbelief and hardness of heart, then he said to them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why? The gospel is God's promised provision for lost man. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So why do we be baptized? We're baptized. We're baptized to identify that we have believed this provision, that we have accepted this provision and he said, he who believes it and is baptized shall be saved. And those that believe it not shall be condemned. So he told his disciples, give them God's provision. We preach the gospel. This is God's answer that he's provided for every person lost in sin and darkness right now. Then in another place. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and they asked him a very important question. They said, Lord, what would be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? Jesus answered them by saying, let no man deceive you. 
For many shall come in my name saying they are the Christ. But they will deceive many. He says, you will hear about wars and rumors of wars. But let none of these things trouble you. For these things have to come to pass. I need you to hear this. So many times when we hear about wars and rumors of war, the first thing we want to say, well, the world must be coming to an end. No, that's not what Jesus said. He said these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. He says nation shall rise against nation. Kingdom shall rise against kingdom. He says there will be famines, there will be pestilences, and he said there will be earthquakes in diverse places. Those of you who live here in North Carolina, you know that two weekends ago, there was a major earthquake that shook much of North Carolina. But Jesus had already foresaw those things. But that wasn't it. He says, these are only the beginning of sorrows. Now, let's go back to the question. The question was, what would be the sign of your coming? What would be the end of the world? Then when you get to verse 14 and Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, this gospel, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached unto all the world as a witness unto all nations and then the end shall come. He said God's provision has to be made to all people in every nation. Then the end will come. What kind of God will we be serving? when he provides a promised provision for some, but not the provision for all. So Jesus is the main sign. You want to know when he's coming back? You want to know when the world's going to end? He says the main sign to observe is that this gospel of the kingdom must be preached in all the world as a witness unto the nations. Then the end shall come. This is what drives me and burning my heart to want to take the gospel around the world. I don't do it to, be, to take a vacation. And those of you that have gone with me, you know we're not on vacation. We're working. We're trying to fulfill the commandment. We're trying to fulfill God's promised provision for all men. And that is the gospel. Glory to God. But you know what, beloved? Everybody won't respond like Adam and Eve responded. Adam and Eve God took the skin of animals, offered a blood sacrifice to cover their sin. But everybody won't allow their sins to be covered, even though there's a provision that's already been made. Everybody won't respond to the gospel. Apostle Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 8. In fact, he says, how man responds to the gospel will make the difference. You know, I don't care what you provide. I know growing up, my mother always provided our meals. But a lot of times I didn't want to eat what my mother provided. And my mother said, well, you either eat that or you'll starve. And God's the same way. He says, this is my promised provision. You'll either accept this or you'll be damned. You'll be lost. Huh? Remember now, a provision is something prepared beforehand. My mother would cook. For a family of nine children, plus my father, and dinner's there on the stove. And I would say to her, I don't like that. I don't want to eat that. She said, then you're going to starve. 
And I'm telling you, if you don't want well, you don't want to accept God's promise of provision, you will starve spiritually and be damned. It all comes down to how you respond to what God has provided beforehand. And that is the gospel. How do you respond? In Romans chapter 10, Paul said in verse 8, Paul says, but what does it say? What does it say? What does it say? What does the gospel really say? It says the word is nigh in your mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised you from the dead, you shall be saved. And with the heart you believe unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believes on him will not be made ashamed. Your second state will never be worse than your first state when you accept God's provision. You will always be better for it. Nobody comes to God after hearing this gospel and then they regret it. You don't regret hearing the truth that God has prepared for you. But if you believe on the message of the gospel, the scripture declares you shall not be made ashamed. So we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. Those of us that have accepted the message, those of us that have accepted the provision, God's promised provision, we have a responsibility. What is our responsibility? Well, Paul says in the same chapter of Romans, chapter 10, Paul says, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall I call upon him? How shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they believe without hearing a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? How shall they preach except they be sent? We have a responsibility, according to Paul. We have a responsibility to preach this message of God's promised provision. And to preach simply means to proclaim. It simply means to announce. You're making an announcement. You don't have to be a pulpit preacher. You don't have to say, well, I'm not called to preach. Well, yes, we're all called to make this proclamation. We're all called to make this announcement. And the announcement is Jesus died for you. And if you believe on him in your heart, confess with your mouth, he promised to save you. In fact, he said, for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then the question is begged. How should they believe on him? How should they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how should they believe on him in whom they not heard? And how should they hear about him without you and me, a preacher? How shall they hear? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. How beautiful. The Lord says it's a beautiful thing to announce my promised provision to the lost. It's a beautiful thing. 
He says, in fact, your feet are beautiful. Isaiah 52 says, how lovely upon the mountains are the feet of them who bring good news. Proclaiming news of, of happiness, glad tidings. Proclaiming that our God reigns. That's the message. So many times we're reluctant to make this announcement. We're reluctant to proclaim this truth. You're not here to convince anybody. You're not here to do arm twisting. You're only here to bear witness to the truth. You make this announcement and either people believe and is baptized and be saved according to Jesus or they reject it. But they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God's promise, provision. Glory to God. So what is our responsibility? Our number one responsibility is to understand this, that we have to be faithful stewards. Too many of us have, have received and accepted this promised provision, and now we're at ease in Zion. We have been rescued from a house on fire, and we can care less about the others that have been left behind. But I'm telling you, we must be faithful stewards. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 tells us that we are to be faithful stewards. Let every man so account us as ministers of Christ. You don't have to be called to preach to be a minister of Christ. Every believer is a minister of Christ. So let every man account us as ministers of Christ and stewards to the mysteries of God. Glory to God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. God was faithful toward Adam and Eve. And we must be faithful. He's been faithful to us and we must be faithful through others because it's God in us. And we're providing to others his promised provision. Then you can never be ashamed. Some folk act like they're ashamed. They're ashamed to talk about God. They're ashamed to talk about what God has done for them. That's the message. You tell people what God did for you. And you make the announcement. You proclaim the truth. Just witness to the truth of God in you. You don't have to be ashamed. The Apostle Paul told the Romans in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and to the Greek. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For therein, in other words, in the good news, in the gospel, is revealed the righteousness of God from faith to faith. As the prophet Habakkuk said, Habakkuk 2.4, I believe, he says, and it is written, the just shall live by faith. Glory to God. This is God's promised provision, the gospel. Jesus was the promised provision. Or should I say, Jesus was the promised priority. Salvation was God's priority, and the gospel was his promised provision. There can be no salvation without the gospel. And so we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to be good stewards over this message. We have a responsibility to not be ashamed. And we need to know that one day every one of us is going to stand before God. And when I stand before God, as it said in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, I want to stand before God and hear him say these words, well done, 
Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I'm going to make you rule over many. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. Well done. Well done. Glory to God. In closing, as it is written, Isaiah 52 verse 7, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. The gospel is about gladness. It's not a message about sadness. And if you're sad, you're not ready for this just yet. You got to have gladness of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, if you expect others to receive the message with gladness. Glory to God. This is God's promised provision. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's priority was salvation. But there is no salvation without the message of the gospel. Glory to God. Father, thank you. Thank you for your promised provision, the gospel. Lord, thank you for the example you gave us in the garden. When you proclaim the first gospel to Adam and Eve, the gospel that gave them victory is the same gospel of the promised seed of the woman that now gives us victory. We are so grateful for Jesus Christ and we gladly proclaim him as the answer. For he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He is the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. And Lord, help us to not be ashamed, but to boldly proclaim and announce to others that if they'll believe, if they believe in their hearts, confess with their mouth that they believe that Jesus died on the cross. He rose again the third day. Jesus died for them. He died for them on the cross the same way he died for us. Then he rose the third day according to scripture. That is your promised provision, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there it is, beloved. God's promise, provision is the gospel because he made his salvation for you a priority. There is no salvation without the gospel. Be encouraged. Share this good news with somebody. Tell somebody about Jesus. And just know you already have the message by simply telling them what God did for you. And what he did for you, he'll do it for them. So remember this, beloved. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So believe God for the faith to share the gospel, his promised provision with others. And don't forget to be a doer of God's word, to obey all of his commandments. And his chief commandments was that we should love one another, love our neighbor, love one another as he has loved us. So walk in love, walk in love, and whatever you do, Always have faith in God. 
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.